Welcome to Feel Better, Live More Bite Size, your weekly dose of positivity and optimism to get you ready for the weekend. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens, one of the most nutrient-dense whole food supplements that I have come across. It contains vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, and I myself take it regularly. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash live more to find out more and to access a very special offer for listeners of my podcast. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash live more. Today's clip is from episode 32 of the podcast with founder and CEO of the Happiness Research Institute, Mike Viking. Mike has traveled all over the globe, interviewing some of the world's happiest people to discover the key components of happiness. And in this clip, he explains some of his fascinating findings. How would you define happiness? Uh, <laughs> no, so it's actually a question we, we work a lot with, obviously. And so the Happiness Research Institute, we are a, a think tank uh, based in Copenhagen that basically tries to solve three questions. So we try first to understand how we can measure the good life or happiness. Secondly, why some people are happier than others. And thirdly, we try to explore how we can improve quality of life for people. So we usually follow the guidelines that have been produced by OECD on, on measuring subjective well-being. And they recommend that scientists look at three dimensions. So the first one is sort of an overall life satisfaction. So in surveys, we would ask people to take a step back and evaluate their lives. So you can get them to imagine the worst possible life they could live and the best possible life they could live on a scale from zero to 10. And then ask them, where do you feel you stand right now? Um, so that is the metric that is usually fed into the World Happiness Report. I think the average for the UK is around 6.5. In Denmark, it's 7.5. So, yeah. But that's one dimension of, of happiness. So it's sort of an overall satisfaction with our lives as a whole. That's different to the second dimension, which is what kind of emotions do we experience on a daily basis? So if you take yesterday, did you feel worried, happy, sad, lonely, angry, frustrated, stressed? And of course, that is much more volatile. Uh, we can see there's a weekend effect when it comes to what kind of emotions we experience. Uh, and it's, of course, also linked with life satisfaction, because if you have a lot of every days with a lot of positive emotions, you probably also are more satisfied with your life. And there's actually some super interesting studies in the UK in that domain, uh, a, a really cool study under uh, London School of Economics called Mappiness, where I think almost 70,000 people now have downloaded an app and are asked one to three times a day how happy they are and where they are, who are they with and what are they doing. And then they can see... When people are in the countryside, they're happier. The happiest day throughout the year is uh, Christmas Day. The unhappiest day, 2016, was when Trump was elected. People are unhappiest when they're ill in bed. The second unhappiest activity is being at work. Um, wow. So, so of course, you know that that's an interesting study that also shows that you know we uh, our sort of daily mood gets impacted by political events and so on. So that's the second dimension, and then the third dimension which is, I think, actually the one we know least about, is a dimension that builds on Aristotle's perception of happiness. So he was 
I think perhaps the first happiness researcher wrote extensively about happiness. And to him, the good life was the meaningful life. So in, in that dimension, we explore whether people have a sense of, of purpose or meaning uh, in life. I think right now there is a global search for new ways of doing things. I think there is a global sentiment that a lot of us have become richer without becoming happier. And perhaps a recognition that we've been looking for happiness in the wrong places. A lot of us feel pressure to be happy all the time. Um, and I think us at the Happiness Research Institute actually have a responsibility to say, well, that's not what we necessarily should be striving for. Uh, and happiness researchers get angry and frustrated and, and lonely and, and, and sad too. Uh, and that's part of the human experience. Uh, so nobody can be happy all the time. What we're interested in is how do we create good conditions for good lives? How do we get people to flourish? Yeah. Um, including having purpose and meaning in their lives. Mike, when I was doing my research on you and, and your work, um, I saw that you have been all around the world and you have spoken to people from different countries, from different cultures, from different socioeconomic groups. And I'm really interested, are there some commonalities between all these different cultures, all these different groups in terms of what makes us happy as human beings? Yes, <laughs> there is. And I think that to me, that's rewarding to, to see and to recognize in the data. If we're just looking at the World Happiness Report uh, to start with, um, that's a report that covers 155 countries ranging in the top, when we look at the average happiness levels from uh, Finland, Norway, Denmark, New Zealand, Switzerland, uh, the Netherlands, Canada, and so on, down to the least happy countries, you know, Central African Republic, Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq. Um, and obviously there are some explanations for why some people are, are really unhappy in, in war-torn countries. But if we look broadly across those 155 countries, we can see there are six factors that explain the majority of the uh, variance between those countries. So GDP levels per capita, yes, money does matter uh, because being without money is a cause of unhappiness. We can see that health, so healthy life expectancy, is the second factor. Uh, third, we see freedom, uh, you know, being able to be the captain on your ship, choosing the destiny that you want, uh, matters equal inheritance rights for men and women, uh, classic freedom rights, freedom of assembly, and so on. Freedom from corruption. So do we have a good government? Do we have a government that ensures that the money that are paid in taxes are actually distributed out to people in terms of quality of life? And then it becomes more interesting. Then it's actually a factor called generosity. So is there a spirit of generosity in society? Is there a spirit of kindness in society? And then as the last factor, social support. So do we have somebody in our lives we can rely on in times of need? The Scandinavian countries are, are doing something right. And I think that's something we've, we've seen on a number of levels. One thing that I, I have taken from, from, you know, when I'm reading about Scandinavia, or even when I've been there, there seems to be things that are set up culturally there for the greater good. I think there is a lesser level of the perception that happiness is a zero-sum game, that my happiness also depends on how you and your family is doing. I think there is a framework in place that ensures there's simply less to compete for, because whether you are rich or poor, you will still be able to have 
a decent life and you yeah. will still be able to enjoy life. Having an infrastructure in place that allows everybody to move around the city, to be mobile in terms of pedestrians and in terms of cyclists. So you do not need to own a car. Um, I don't own a car because I don't need a car. So my mobility cannot be taken away from me. I have a bicycle. I can go anywhere, everywhere I need to go. And in addition, it also keeps me healthier than if I was driving. And I think having a society where you don't need to pay to get into a decent level of quality of life, I think that's the key to ensuring a society where it's not me first all the time. There's real joy to be had in the simple things in life. And so one of the strategies I've come up with to try and help um, in a very accessible way for my patients is you know, about doing something that you love. And I, I see so many of them throughout the whole week, they never do anything that they absolutely love. And I kind of feel that's a really important thing to lower our stress levels and, in, and increase our happiness is, you know, how many times in a week do you do something that you love, that you're doing, not because someone else told you to do, but because you want to, whether that's going for a walk in nature, whether that's doing a bit of painting, whether it's listening to some music mindfully, you know, not scrolling your phone and your emails at the same time. It can be something so simple. It doesn't have to be a big thing that costs money or anything like that. And I wonder, is that something you see as being a key component of happiness? Very much so. I mean, it's it's an you know it's one of the key pillars when we look at happiness broadly. Uh, we can also see when we survey people in terms of job satisfaction, a sense of meaning also comes up uh, in the in the top of the list often. And a lot of people talk about the pursuit of happiness, but I think in in many ways it's better to talk about the happiness of pursuit and seeing yeah. happiness as a byproduct of something else, a meaningful life, for instance, or. Uh, a greater purpose. From what you said just now, I'm reminded of of one of the uh, people I mentioned in in my latest book, the uh, the little book of of Lücke. He's a young guy. His identity is a secret. Uh, here in the UK, he's known as the free help guy, and he had that experience that 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 you're describing there every day, going on the tube, going to. Oxford Circuit Station, working in marketing and just sort of feeling part of the rat race, feeling uh, like it really didn't matter. There was no sense of purpose. And then uh, he told me that uh, he, for some reason, decided to quit and give himself six months to find meaning in life and to you know make his worth and his contribution in more than, than pounds and pennies. And, and and funny enough, he, he said the first week he he, he uh, binged watched Breaking Bad, uh, but then for for some reason he decided to write online in a forum. Is there anybody I can help? Uh, I'll do it for free. The free help guy. Wow! And that became the first step in in a really interesting journey where he has uh, he sat next to a guy on planes to help the guy get over his fear of flying. He has tried to find um, a a bone marrow donor for a young girl who is suffering from cancer. He has tried to reunite a father with his son. And he's done all these amazing things. And and he says that despite of that, he feels that the one that have benefited the most from the project is himself because his heart beats in a way that it never has before. And and now he wants to make the um the project that was originally a six months project permanent. Um and I think that is a testimony in terms of how important 
meaning and purpose is in terms of just joy and satisfaction with life. Hope you enjoyed that bite-sized clip. Please do spread the love by sharing this episode with your friends and family. And if you want more, why not go back and listen to the full conversation with my guest and... If you enjoyed this episode, I think you will really enjoy my new bite-sized Friday email. It's called The Friday Five, and each week I share things that I do not share on social media. It contains five short doses of positivity, articles or books that I'm reading, quotes that I'm thinking about, exciting research I've come across, and so much more. I really think you're going to love it. The goal is for it to be a small yet powerful dose of feel-good to get you ready for the weekend. You can sign up for it at drchatterjee.com forward slash Friday 5. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Make sure you have pressed subscribe and I'll be back next week with my long form conversation on Wednesday and the latest episode of Bite Science next Friday. <laughs>